Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. I'm in my kitchen and I'm here with Gareth Fraser. Hello. And... I've met Gareth, because normally I open these things, I'm like, oh, I've known so-and-so for years, and then we go into that, but I haven't known you for years, I met you once, Yes. and you made such an impression, Gareth, that I decided to ask you to do the podcast then, then. and the reason why, well, I'm going to ask you Mm -hmm. to tell everybody the reason why we met. I met you in the Glasgow Barrowland. You did, and that was the first time I'd ever been in the Glasgow Barrowland, which is shameful. Which freaks me out. (laughs) I think, so, I think, well, it's your second home, is it not? I, th- I, th- I think that's a rite of passage for everybody. It just took me 37 years. <laughs> I got there eventually. It, it, it's a gorgeous venue and I'm very passionate about mm. it. Um, yes, we met then. I, there was a book launch, a couple of... And people I didn't know. They were, they're not friends either. There no. was an artist collective, um, a writer, a photographer, and a sketch artist, drawer, artist... Um, were putting together a book in the history of the Barrowland and I'd been put in touch with them to help them with mm-hmm. tours and walk around the venue and tell the, the brilliant history of that venue. Yes, and it was brilliant. You were absolutely fantastic. I just loved the Thank tour. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's not the first one I've done. No, no. no you were a, I mean, I could tell you were a seasoned pro. I was like, he literally like, lives and breathes this place. <laughs> and it, it's funny because I probably do it every couple of years. Is that right? Yeah, it's not a, it's not a regular. It's not your regular it's gig? It's not a regular well, thing by any stretch. And it's certainly not my job. I don't, mm. I don't work for Barrowland no. or anything. I. Um, but that's what I was so impressed by as well. And the podcast being people are passionate about things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily... Quite often it does, but it doesn't necessarily need to be your profession. Like, you are passionate yeah. about music, essentially. And it was just evident for, you know, you talking about the venue and all the gigs you've been to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said like, you've kept every ticket. I have, I have. And I think the first five sets of photo albums with them chronologically was when I stopped being quite so geeky. And <laughs> the rest of them are now just in heaps, much to my wife's annoyance. But... Um, <laughs> They will get organised at some point. Yes. Um, yeah, I... Can you recall the first ever gig that yeah. you went to? Yeah, right, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. So, tell us. First, first of December 1988, SEC Hall 4. Hugh Lewis in the news. Um, my big cousin took me. She's 10 years my elder, and uh, I blame her entirely for my music. I used to go and stay at my aunt and uncle's, and it was always just staying in her bedroom, and... She was away or whatever, and mm-hmm. was like, you're staying in her bedroom, and here's all her vinyl. Yes. So I never really slept. You know, ah. And played all her records. Um, I'm her only child, so I don't have that big brother or big sister God, influence. Yeah, she right. is. She, she was is that for influence. You, yeah. And um, Hugh Lewis in the news, Melissa Ether, we'd supported, and Hugh Lewis was just incredible. And that was that was December. It was the day I got my BCG. My mum. <laughs> my mum. Pivotal day, wasn't it? Like yeah, right. at school, when everybody was getting that. Oh, I can remember. My mum was so worried that I'd get bumped at the concert and like, yes. and got like cotton wool and cut a plaster circle thing round <laughs> it and attached it to my arm and all this stuff. You know, you're like, I'm not gonna die. My arm's not hanging up. <laughs> exactly. So here, listening news, that was it. And then it took about something was eighty eight, and then mm-hmm. nothing in eighty nine. I was only fourteen. And then, in nine, and then in 1990, the same big cousin took me to Edinburgh to see Iron Maiden and Anthrax. 
Wow. No difference. <laughs> and me and my three long-haired school chums. That was it. She's a good cousin, eh? She is an awesome cousin. Aye, she's brilliant. Um, I mean, you just totally hooked. Are you a massive fan of just music in yes. general? Like, yes. Are you, do you have quite an eclectic I mean, it sounds like you had an eclectic taste have, when we were younger. I have an eclectic taste. And yeah. to put that in context, right? So, here is the news. Two years later, almost to the day, it was something like the 14th of December, 90, was Iron Maiden. And then, stop of July mm-hmm. 91 the almighty a Glasgow band they're from they were from Straven oh, just right. as Eddie's Cabride um, they're no longer together uh-huh. um, but they headlined Glasgow Barland and that was my first first uh-huh. day in that venue and it's an over 18s venue and mm-hmm. no amount of bum fluff and pretend stubble <laughs> makes you feel confident standing in that queue <laughs> And it had quite a reputation. East End, my mum's very, you're not going to the bars. And, you know, all the history, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But it's, um, yeah, that was it. Fell in, love, fell in love with it. That, that, that's such a good venue. It really is. And I loved the tour. I just was totally the, fascinated by it. There was a band called Junkyard who were a Los Angeles sort of sleaze rock band right. who were supporting. And they get kicked off the tour about three days earlier because their album was higher up the chart than the Almighty's. And there was a little bit of Spanish (laughs) So they got a band called Cheap and Nasty, who were from Scandinavia somewhere. And they were. They lived up to their name. Right. And about two songs in, the lead singer got hit in the face with a pint. Jeez. And he was no happy. And he's strumming his guitar and he runs back and he's dripping, dripping. He's like, I don't drink effing alcohol. And no sooner had the words passed his lips you get hit with a pint of iron brew. And I thought, I love this place. This is it. This is so Glasgow. This is so everything. Yeah, and you've got to rem- you've got to remember the age I was as well, right? So sort of 15. You must you know, have just been like, like this, is- this is mental. I love yes. it. So that was, that was so from an eclectic taste, which was a mm. question, that's Huey Lewis, Iron Maiden, the Almighty, you could see her in the same sort of Iron Maiden thing, but okay. then followed by An Excess and Jesus Jones. So just chopping. Goodness. And it just, it's, been like that ever since. And in your house, were your like parents music fans, and what kind of music were um, you listening to? It was just my mom and I, and mm-hmm. she loved singer songwriters. Okay. Singer songwriters of the seventies, John Denver and Chris Christopherson type mm-hmm. ilk. There was always music on, uh-huh. um, and then I was in control when it got to a certain point, and yeah. I was playing the music. And uh, my mom's no longer with us, but I, I am lucky to have got to have taken her to see Paul McCartney. Lovely. Which she obviously got me into she didn't yeah. care too much for the Beatles but Paul McCartney and yeah. Wings and all that stuff so that was nice to be able to, oh, do, to do that and I took her to see Bon Jovi because um, that's, she knew all the words more than I did because I played it constantly full volume in <laughs> my bedroom kind of thing she just had to like it so it was nice to do all those things that's and I've cool. got really strong memories of um, we had a family holiday house up Montrose Way nice East Coast and mm. her and I used to get in the car school holidays and drive and it was the car stereo and it was just all my albums and all her albums and uh-huh. just music was that sort of it instantly takes me back to places people smells that 100%. kind of thing and that's that's the lovely thing about it because sometimes it's songs you hate at the time yes and then when you get on in years and you, true, and you hear it and you suddenly go oh wow I was with so and so in such and such a place and I remember there was an overwhelming smell of insert weird overwhelming you know and just everything I, about it that. music is just such that power just to take you places yeah it's in, I mean in a really personal level I said that my mum's no longer with us and it was just her and I but 
she got me into Paul McCartney mm-hmm. and I saw him lots and then I got to take her to see him. Her health wasn't great at that point, but managed to get yeah, there and that's do really it. really special. Which is, which is special, but then he played in Glasgow at Christmas time and it was just my wife and I and that's the first time I've seen him since my mum has passed. Oh, and I spent most of the gig in tears, right. but it was one of the best nights I've ever had. You know, yeah. and it's just that total... And it's random songs and random things, and you just think that's what music's about. That's it's. A, you probably have like quite a, like a soundtrack to your life I if do. you were to sit and think I about abs- it. I absolutely do, and I've rather only retentively thought about creating year-on-year type soundtrack playlists or like mixtapes and that, that that kind of stuff. Never, never get the time. Yeah, if you kind of noted down the songs that are kind of shaping your. Well, the other thing year. you were asking about concert tickets, mm. and I have these albums of concert tickets and I keep all the lists and stuff and I've thought about actually making mixtapes of year on year of my my yes. concerts because I kind of it's different now we've got kids so my wife and I don't get to as many certainly I'm lucky and I get to go to more <laughs> you get a few pass I, I do I do um <laughs> A season you ticket you are very lucky season ticket I think <laughs> rather, I rather, rather than a free pass <laughs> but just in case you listen to this and she's like, I am freeze patching. <laughs> no, she knows. Um, but we were doing 60 or 70 gigs a year. You're joking. No, no. We're... That's more than, like, more than one a week. That's yeah, mental. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. And the thing is, it didn't ever work out that way, did it? It was like no. it was like a month of nothing and then, <laughs> and then totally. a month of everything. Every year I say, like, you know, New Year's resolution, I'm going to go and see more shows, I'm going to go and see hmm? more gigs. Hmm? And I... I'm trying, but I don't do it as often as I'd like. Mm-hmm. And obviously, money. Well, it's not. It's not getting any cheaper, isn't no. it? And gigging used to be a way to promote albums, and now albums are a way to promote gigs. The entire Great. music industry has changed. Yeah. People don't make money out of music, but they make money out of tours. So. Mm. The negative of that is the cost of tools is more expensive, but then they have to to make themselves stand out. They have to put on bigger and better shows. And then it stops being about five guys in tight jeans and black t-shirts in front of a row of martial amps and start being about artists flying through the crowd and all sorts of things. You know, yeah, so it goes, it becomes theatrical. Yes. And that was always, I mean, you look at bands like Kiss, it was always theatrical. Oh, there was almost elements of it. Uh-huh. Alice Cooper, these sorts of people. Mm. But it's really become that way. Mm-hmm. And certainly the bands like Take That and all that have done that exact same They've thing. They've just for... literally reinvented themselves a million yeah. times, which you could also I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of their music, but you know, hats off to them. Like they totally have just time and time again totally pulled it mm-hmm. out of the bag and they're obviously just good at what they do. Mm-hmm. If you look at Madonna, Madonna reinvents herself every album. Yes. You can't argue it's been consistently brilliant, but you can't fault her for she doing must have been it. Done right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she's like an icon. Yeah. And did you or do you play an instrument no. at all? Way back in school, uh-huh. um, my music teacher wanted me to play drums, and I'd always drawn as a kid. I'd always been quite arty, mm. and you know, not quite colouring in, but slightly beyond that. And when you had to make your choices for going to do your standard grades mm. and all those things, it was uh, you could do music or art. You can't right, do both. You can't do both. They're in the same column. Aye. Aye. <laughs> so um, I wanted to do music, and my mum said, "No, you've always drawn. You're doing art." kind of thing it was yeah. one of those arguments yeah, yeah, um, yeah. well you managed definitely to keep your love of music well that's keep, it isn't it can you pinpoint I mean, there, I mean the amount of gigs you've 
been to if you're talking about like about 1200 have you or so kind of lost count a lot like a proper connoisseur of like you must be like be a tick sheet of what 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 makes a really good kick yeah I I could I should at this point go sorry what I didn't hear you for being so deaf but um yeah I do Do I've got proper musician professional Mm -hmm. earplugs attenuating ones but that's only in the last 10 to 15 years that's not all of them and would you see the Badlands is your favourite venue. Oh, without question. And you'll have been to, I would imagine, quite a lot of venues. When I got talking to the Barland the first time, and we can come on, mm. we can come on to how that came yeah, about later. Yeah. But I was already over two hundred right. Barland gigs, and I don't mean like I mean two hundred going, two hundred days, different events, yeah, not yeah. two hundred bands because no. you get two or three on a gig, mm-hmm. you know, on a sort of on a bill kind of thing. And obviously, you were going to the Barrowlands because you wanted to see those bands. Yes. I would assume. Yes. But in doing so, you then fell in love with the venue very quickly. And how did you get to know so much? I mean, the, the history of it, and the, that you know, the tour that you took it was so extensive, and your knowledge. I was just like, like obviously, you told us eventually you weren't related to MD mm-hmm. that belonging to the venue, but I had no knowledge of the venue, and it was mm-hmm. just fascinating. And you seemed to know so much. So, how did you get to know all that? I <laughs> wanna. Scottish-based music website called Music yeah. Scramble. <laughs> and I started that with a mate in 2011. And it came about because I like to ramble about music and that became a scramble about music and it was Music Scramble, music right? Music Scramble, so love it. I started that mm-hmm. and it was just a, an avenue to write. I got accepted at university to do political journalism and then didn't go and do that. Okay. Did But did computers. Uh-huh. And that's what I do for a job and it's fantastic because it uh-huh. supports this love of records and concerts great and right okay right but that wanting to write and wanting to be opinionated and love music and just mm. get it out there I mean you must understand that yeah that 100% to yeah um, I started this blog and it became less bloggy and more websitey and my mate Paul and I wrote it and we were never going to compete with big proper music websites or anything like that okay. so what I was finding was you were getting more and more into the local music scene and mm. unsigned bands and yeah. Glasgow and Edinburgh and all of that which stuff. is really important and you know these bands are trying to be up and coming so like, that's, so you that's are ex- like they want people like you so that's exactly what the website is now yeah, the great. website focuses on local talent mm-hmm. and mostly central belt of Scotland and we go to all the venues and we know quite a lot of the independent promoters I do concert photography as well, so that's just great fun. So you're just in the community, just being yeah, part of it? Yeah, probably not as much as I'd like to. I think mm. if um, if I was a little bit younger and the internet was more prevalent, just that m- 10 years earlier, I'd have been way more. And I could use that as an excuse for why I didn't do it sooner, but <laughs> it is what it is, yeah. right? So that whole side of, I run that music website, we now have about six or seven writers. and I'm an, I'm an editor, one of my other friends is... And, an editor and we support the site and it's a non-profit mm-hmm. we just pay it out of our back pocket yeah. for the cost of the hosting and stuff but it's and nice that you can still do it like you're saying like obviously things have evolved in your life mm. but if you've got other people involved it maybe takes the pressure off you and you're still creating content it, but you've still yeah. got a hand in it yeah but I'm the, I'm in the bottleneck these guys are creating content and I'm like I, I need to edit that <laughs> I need to get rid of that well, that's it it's you baby you started it so. I, need, I need another editor you know that kind of way but um <laughs> So anyway, that was very much up and running at this point. Mm-hmm. And I was following a huge avid user of Twitter at that point, And mm-hmm. I was following Barrel on Twitter. And they put out a request one Friday night. I'm sitting having a bottle of wine with my wife and toasting, surviving another week at work. And <laughs> it was that, has anyone been to the Barrel and still got their tickets? 
question mark. It's like that question was made for me. <laughs> I was like, I'm your guy. I was like, yeah, why? <laughs> and they said, could you come to the Barlands and bring your tickets? Yeah, I absolutely can. So I did that. Went in and went into the offices, which isn't in the venue. It's in, right. in the marketplace. It's underneath. Ah. It was a step back in time. Right wood panelling and a lovely smell of like woodbine cigars and all that kind of stuff. And Amazing. Just Is mass, that a total time capsule? Total time capsule. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Gorgeous, gorgeous place, really. And got to meet Tom Joyce, the general manager mm-hmm. of Barland. And what they were doing was they were starting to run a campaign where they were taking scans of concert tickets, Barland concert tickets. Right. And they were going to do some advertising thing. Right. Blow them up into big, massive tickets and yeah. use them for something. And we got talking. And... At the end, having left my tickets with them, panicking that I was never going to see them again. Really, really panicking. Tom kind of said, "Ah, there's there's a local Scottish author woman by the name of Nilla Norton. She is thinking about or just starting to write a book on the Barland, mm. on the ballroom, not the market. Uh-huh. You should give her a phone. Here's a number, and I did." And we got talking, and she said that there was the, there was a Glasgow classic Glasgow venue called the Apollo, and the Apollo legendary, sadly not old enough to have ever been. Mm-hmm. Some of my friends have. There was a book about that, and she was now doing a book at the Barland, and she's quite competitive, and said, "Well, I want my book to be better." And one of the ways my book was be better was that it had the concert history, and the concert history I want not just the bands that played and when they played, but they, I want the um, support bands and everything else. Uh-huh. Proper scoop. <laughs> yeah, proper scoop. So having all my tickets, built a database where I could search and query and store all the information of all the gigs I've been to, which is why I can tell you the numbers. Yeah. I said, well, I can tell you all the Barland ones because I've been to over 200 and I can tell you who the supports were if I saw them. If I didn't, I didn't record it. So that'll, that'll help. There was other notes that had come from like tour diaries and various different things that she'd collated and said, right. my researcher has got this information and I'm going to use this. And I looked at it and I went, that's wrong. How do you know it's wrong? And I was like, because I was there. Okay. Or that didn't happen because that tour got cancelled because XYZ left the band and such and such. And just, yeah. just knowledge. You, yeah, you just love it. You just, just love knowledge. music and you're passionate and you were just in it. So you just knew so much. It's funny. My wife quite often will say to me, she goes, um, oh, people will say to me, how do you know that? And I'm like, because I was there because that's what happened. Which sounds quite arrogant, but it's not really meant that way. And my wife ref- refers to me as having a filing cabinet brain, and I think that's I was normal. Going to say it sounds like you have an excellent memory. I can't tell you what I had for my tea, but well, that doesn't matter. That's not as exciting and interesting <laughs> as music, is it? So, um, so anyway, Nula, Nula Norton mm-hmm. did this book. I offered to do the concert history for, her, which involved. This sounds like such a hardship. Phoning up general manager and saying. I want to do the concert history, fine, no problem. He's like, we've got booking diaries in the office, in the safe. The Barland has always been family-owned. Maggie McIver, McIver started it in 1934, and the, it's family-owned and it's a family concern, mm-hmm. independent. Hopefully always will be. Yeah. Current management team took over in 1990. So they've only got booking diaries in 1990. First concert, as we know it, the venue we know it, was November 83. So there was a seven-year gap. But start at 90, and then we'll work out what we'll do for the, Got you. the previous okay, six and yeah. half, seven years. So I spent very happy. What's the phrase about pigs? Um, <laughs> exactly what <laughs> Going through, with opening up a spreadsheet, opening up every single diary, year by year, and reading every single page of bookings that right, took yeah. place and recording it. 
The funny thing about that is, just because a gig was booked didn't mean it happened. That's just what was booked. Gigs get cancelled, gigs get rescheduled, it doesn't tell you who we support. Right, of course. So that gave us a starter for 10 and I was able to sort of cross-reference that. And Andy Dixon, who's the guy that runs the Barrel on Twitter, mm-hmm. was highly amusing actually. He was like, well, if you're doing that, I'm coming with you to help. <laughs> You know, because he doesn't work for the Barrowland either. He's uh-huh. another, yeah, he's, he's another, fan, he's another so. fan. And um, so the two of us spent a couple of weeks eating Barrowland sausage uh, rolls and sausage <laughs> over in cups of coffee over morning. And I pulled together quite a lot of the gig history with Andy's help. That's so cool. But then we had to validate it because I came up with this rule with Nola that said if I can't corroborate it by at least two, hopefully three mm-hmm. locations. I'm not, I'm yeah, not putting it in. Fair not it was a labour of love. It genuinely was. Um, up till two or three in the morning of an evening mm. doing all this stuff. We went onto social media and there's a Barland fan page and there's the official Barland page, which I'm now an admin of and helped cool. run. And we just started saying, what Barland gigs are we at? Do you get any scans of tickets? Especially that 80s period. Yes. And then people were brilliant. They would email me scans of their entire cool. ticket collection. Yeah, just and, people like you that are just totally and it's like, 100% I mean, behind it. I mean, one guy was saying, I said, I used to think my sister was nuts, but she kept all her tickets and she would write, like on the day, if that gig was the like, 12th of October, let's make it up, she would write, score it out and put 14th of February the following year and the support was this. And I thought, what are you doing this for? And I was like, she's doing it for me. <laughs> she knows I'm going to need this information in, in 25 years. Time. Time, yeah. <laughs> so we did that. I pulled together and collated the gig history and the barrel and sort of said, well, Gareth, that's yours because you did it and own yeah. it. Own it and own mm. it in quotes. There's no monetary value. No, to it, but, no, but yeah, obviously but it was a very labor of love, passionate about say. that and that was, I mean, up to June 2013 and that's what's at the end of the book wow. that she published yeah, that, yeah. that mm-hmm. September. I bet she's glad she met you. <laughs> you need to ask her. <laughs> um, but what's quite amusing was at the end of that, they did this, or they were going to do the book launch, and I was in meeting Tom again. There was a whole squad of people doing different things. Aye. He said, Glasgow Doors Open Day people have asked if we would do a Doors Open. Would you be interested in doing it? Mm. Uh, any excuse to walk be around? Here. Ah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be here. <laughs> and that's the thing about the Barland I've come to know over the years is it's a family. And it's yeah, not necessarily which I was the exact. Totally fascinated by when you told us the story. I was like, yeah, "That's incredible." It's a family. It's people that they know and trust mm. and respect. It's yeah. Not, well, it's know, been born from an actual mm, family, mm, so then mm-hmm. it must be very difficult to let people into that. So you yes, must feel no, very. I do very privileged. Trusted uh, to be in that circle. I'm jumping around, but it's funny you should say that. Um, I get asked if I would do a tour for a. I think it was Glasgow Cali. I can't remember, but some final year students that were doing a thesis paper or some art project or something. I didn't pay that much attention. <laughs> Could you take them around the Barland for us? And I'm like, um, yeah, that's fine. I'll come up and meet them. It was a random Tuesday or something mm-hmm. like that. I went into the office and Willie, one of the other guys, was like, here, guys, those the keys. On you go. I found myself sitting on the stage, swinging my feet with no one else in the venue thinking, how did this happen? That's lovely, but that just shows you when you're passionate about something, how things just gravitate. Yeah, yeah I guess. You. And I did the tour, and you have a gist of what that's like. And oh, it was they were there, they were there for hours, and we talked about various things. And it took lots of I photo- was smashing photograph. because of you, Gareth. Oh, I'm that sorry. Good? I'm Is sorry. That good? And yeah, so I found myself sitting there and just Aye. thinking, how did this happen? And I remember going home that night, like locking up and going into the office and handing the keys and going home that night, and thinking, did I turn the lights off? <laughs> <laughs> 
It's a wooden building. After 60 years of this thing burnt down, I had to phone oh the office and get the night watchman. That is me. So panicking. I would still be there like, one, two, three, four, five. I've got a bit of thing about locks. So I, yeah, can totally sympathise with that. I would have been back there, <laughs> check the door. So the September was the open doors day. Mm-hmm. And that's the only one we've done. Right, okay. And it was myself, Andy, the Twitter guy, uh-huh. and a couple of other people that Tom had invited to come along. Mm-hmm. And we had a conversation about the venue, and he told me some of the history that he had, and I went off and researched some of it and got it corroborated, and the rest of it stuck in my head. So we did. Even things like you were in the dressing rooms, then you mm. were talking about specific bands, yeah. the support bands. Saw Doctors. Yes, the yeah. Saw Doctors. That That's, was such a cool story. You, I'll let you tell it because you're well, far better than me than it's, <laughs> It's a true story and it just came from talking to Tom and the team that worked there uh-huh. and all the stuff that happened. But the Saw Doctors supported the Water Boys and the Saw Doctors were a relatively new band. And the Barland dressing rooms are lovely mm-hmm. and a bit Berlin-y like as well depending <laughs> on depending on which uh, depending on like you could just feel like they're going how do you know yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> forgot about him everyone's suddenly in a, he then went I've not stayed there <laughs> yeah, I worked there once um, a friend told me <laughs> the downstairs dressing room the support acts second dressing room is you can't trash it let's put it that way it's concrete with bars on the window <laughs> definitely and the saw doctors that was their dressing room because they were the support act and the water boys did their thing and they had the big grandiose main room the band mm-hmm. room and it all ends and everyone's all leaving punters are out bands are going back onto tour buses and leaving and the story goes that the night watchman or staff of some description got a chap and said them can we stay here? We've got nowhere to stay. And it's the Saw Doctors. No, mate, you can't. There's no one here kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Sure, there's a night watchman, but no, you're not staying. No one does. You're not staying in the venue. We've got nowhere to go. We're just going to get a carry-out cans mm-hmm. and we'll just sleep in sleeping bags or whatever. So after back to and fro, that's exactly what happened. And they stayed in the dressing room. And when you look at the dressing room, you think, no, thank you. How <laughs> queer, <laughs> you know. Um, that's their claim to fame, though. Well, it is because they're also the band that's headlined the Barrenlands the most. The last count was, I think I had it at 34, but I'm due to do a refresh and I think we're up near a 40. The first time they came back headlining, they asked for the support dressing room for (laughs) old time's sake. Love it. (laughs) They've got over themselves. I'll be totally part of their history, do you know what I mean? So it's something that's important to the venue. That story. And it's funny because you asked me earlier about Barrowland and is it my favourite venue and, yeah. and this sort of stuff. It's quite a lot of musicians' favourite venues. Mm. Um, Why? Why do you think that is? It's big yet it's small. When you're in the crowd, it feels like quite a big place. Mm-hmm. When you're stood on the stage and you're looking down, and it's actually really small. Yeah. It, its capacity is 1,957. Then you add other, you know, um, production people and stuff mm, like that. I think staff, it's whatever, yeah. just over 2,000 in mm-hmm. total from a health and safety point of view. Um, that's quite small. Mm-hmm. By today's standards, by hydro standards, even by the Carling Academy or the O2 Academy uh-huh. as it is now, which is something like 2,300. Yeah. And I mean, personal point of view, I much prefer an intimate gig. Like the, mm. the, the best gigs that I've been to have been small venues. Yes. It's not a massive venue. It's not a tiny venue. The acoustics are phenomenal. And that's from its ballroom days. Right. Um, Billy McGregor and the Gay Birds, when it was proper ballroom dancing, 
he was. I mean, that floor alone is so cool. Uh, yeah, that's um, Canadian Maple. Yeah. That, that went down in 1960 for the, the grand opening of the venue that we know now, mm. not, the, not the first ballroom. And um, yeah, same floor. Proper spring floor, obviously, mm. for when it was a ballroom and it was the dancing. No that's, no, that's exactly it. And those acoustic tiles were put in at great expense. By um, for the ballroom mm. for it being a ballroom and the big band sound, yeah. But that's what makes such a great sound now. And bands that are way beyond that capacity, you know, Muse, Blur, um, Oasis, people like that will play the Barland when they could play the Hydro, and they'll play yeah. a couple of nights. And of course, they sell out in seconds. And of course, I. There is people who. So when I was 15, 16, I was going to see a band no matter where they were playing because I mm. want to see the band. Now I'm at the other end of it where I've seen that band before. I'll go and see them if they're playing the Barland or even bands I have never seen ah, but quite fancy. So it is the venue that's it's pulling now, you. It's now the venue. Yeah. But, I, and like that, it is like a proper step back in time. Mm. It really is. Like That's what I loved about it. Yeah. So I think people probably like that nostalgic feel. Like you were saying, nothing's ever taken away. Yes. So the, the Slowly artwork, evolves. Yeah, like that artwork from um, Biffy Clyro. Yes. That was put in just for their shows, but yeah. then no, nothing leaves. It's been it there about four here. years already. Love that. And I mean, things do... So backstage... There was a need for mod cons. There was a need for, I mean, things like Wi-Fi and things like that. Right? So things do progress and change. Of course they do. It's, but it's stuck in time in some extent. And it's not a listed building, but I'd love it to be. Oh, it and, totally should be. And yeah. Charlie Manson um, of Goodbye Mr. McKenzie, but more famously Garbage. Yes. Um, Edinburgh Lass, she has said it many, many times. Mm. You know, it looks like nothing by day, but at night it becomes a cathedral. And That's like and like other statement. and like other cathedrals, it's in Scotland. It should be listed and it should be considered. Oh, it's so be, iconic. Yeah. You know, like I, I was interviewing an artist the other day there for the podcast, and she has the Madeline sign in her artwork of, of Glasgow. It's an iconic, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. venue. Mm-hmm. There must be a bajillion selfies from people from all around the world <laughs> who gravitate well, to the Madeline. It's funny you should <laughs> say that because there's a couple of bands who have taken photographs outside and. I actually saw a Apple iPhone do a shot an iPhone right. um, campaign and it's photographs that are being shot on the iPhone and they use them as billboards right. and I get sent a photograph of a band standing outside the Barland uh-huh. billboard in Tokyo <laughs> <laughs> shot an iPhone Barland yes global iconic <laughs> venue you know that's mental and, and the sign as well yes and the original sign still the original the original yeah so the first ballroom opened in 34 and it was extended in 38 it burned down nobody really knows why obviously there was a fire but nobody uh-huh. knows yeah, how it started yeah. um, August 1958 Maggie who started it Maggie McIver she had died in the June so right. I guess as a blessing she never saw her beloved venue oh, burn down oh yeah of course but the family legacy sort of East End we will build it again and it'll be bigger and better mm. built the venue that everyone knows now because even the story of the original build was at the Christmas party yes and nobody would let them yeah. have it so they just were like well we'll build a venue so the Barra's Market was the marketeers and that Christmas piss up was you know renowned in terms of uh, they were banned from almost every venue in Glasgow and Maggie decided to buy the land and build upwards build her own ballroom I mean really yeah what a story formidable That's character the- Surely that's film-worthy. Oh, probably. Um, <laughs> the one we all now know is three floors, the previous one was two, and so on and so forth. And But 
there's always been this sort of iconic neon sign thing going on mm. and it was an animated through different lights flashing barrel boy a barrel mm-hmm. wheel that was yes. on the top of the first building it was the only thing that survived or bits of it survived the fire everything's all twisted metal and uh-huh. gone ashes but there was this wheel from a barrel and it hangs as you've got the main staircase it hangs directly I thought up, that was so cool directly, up, directly above you I would have just went there's a cool light and the fact that you know being mm. on the tour and you having that knowledge it was like there is a story behind that I always maybe I'm a bit too passionate but I always think it's a bit like sort of, uh, sort of benediction you know as you're coming in and you pass under it as you're Lovely. part of the venue and um, it's there and it looks over everything and it's, yeah. been, it's been there since the beginning and the, the so then the barrel and sign that everyone knows yes because you did a bit of a quiz and you were like how how long do you think do you it's think been, the there, yeah. been there? And people think it's been there longer than it like, has. Well, it's so iconic, and we just talked about you know posters in Tokyo, mm. right? It's so iconic. People think it's been there forever, and it hasn't. It was mm. late, it was the late eighties. It was a company down Gateshead, Newcastle, way that built it, and they wanted right. it was one of the biggest neon signs in Europe at this time, and still that same biggest and best and right. shining jewel in the east, Aye, the east end or the east end quarter, as it's now been called. And and for you. Uh-huh. Over 200... At that point. At that point. And then how many from the... You've Don't probably know. lost count. I have lost count. Can't... I mean, I'm sure you can recall some of your favourite gigs. <laughs> and why? Why were they your favourite at the Barrowlands? Well, you kind of touched on it yourself. I mean, it's small and it's intimate. And you can't beat a Glasgow crowd. And a Glasgow crowd in any venue in Glasgow... It's a Glasgow crowd. But there's something about the bars. There's something about it being three floors up in a wooden building with 2,000 people jumping that just gives you an extra level <laughs> a of... A bit of extra spring by the spring floor. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's the acoustics and the bands play up to it because it's mm. so intimate, because everything generally sounds weird. You can count one hand the amount of bad sounding gigs have been in yeah. there. You know? Yeah. And um, everyone wants to play it. Uh-huh. And there's just a general... It's almost camaraderie of it's the bar has come on you know that uh-huh. kind of thing of course you get it in other venues but it's not consistent mm. it's not the same and you know you're gonna have a good night and you get so recently <laughs> he says recently it's probably about three years ago now blur played it and they were headlining hyde park an all-day blur one-off gig at hyde park so they did their warm-up gig in the bars because you can. And you were there? Mm, mm, yeah. Um, I was very lucky to, yeah, to be at totally. that one. Yeah, I guess I like your scene, like with big bands like that, you're lucky if you're getting a yeah. ticket, if yeah. you're getting in the door. No, for sure. It's like Biffy Clyro, whose um, song lyrics are on all the stairs and mm. we alluded to a couple of minutes ago and it's like they, they went off on hiatus after essentially 10, 15 years of constant touring. They had recorded six albums, so they decided to play three nights there, playing two albums a night. I thought it was so cool. It is, it's really cool, but then they're more local. Yeah, yeah, so you, I feel like I'm for them. Yeah, you get it, but then you get um, American bands. The Black Crows always talked about it. Um, mm. They're from Atlanta, and Steve Gorman, their drummer, was just like, it's the best venue in the world. And really? he talked about, um, it wasn't Bataclan, it was Le Segal in Paris, which is another 100-year-old venue that hasn't, mm changed mm. and he's like there are just few of them in Europe and that's what, they, that's what they love yeah. you know it's just seeing it differently and your music photography then yes. was that just something that came part and parcel of being at gigs and wanting mm. to capture the, the memories and the moments my cousin who got me into concerts her dad was into photography and right. he taught me how to 
not just point and shoot, but <laughs> actually turn dials and point and shoot. Oh. And so I always enjoyed photography. Cool. And then I always enjoyed concerts. And then it just seemed obvious to take photographs of concerts. Uh-huh. But cool. I only ever use them for the website. Yeah. So for Music Scramble. So that's what I started doing. And I really enjoy it. I started doing it to review mm-hmm. a concert. And then you so you, quite often, because it's unsigned bands, you're saying, I'm going to come and do your gig. Can I bring my camera? Give us a photo pass or whatever. And mm-hmm. some of the venues, smaller venues, you don't need a pass. You can just bring your camera. Yeah. You get to barrel and size upwards. Mm-hmm. You, it's very, very strict. Yeah. First three songs, no flash, then you're out, and all sorts of real strong rules. Okay, right. And um, I quite like doing it from an art point of view, rather than a, here is a photograph of no. said singer for mm. said website. Mm-hmm. So then I started just doing gig photography for me. For you? Well, I, like you said, you grown up, you enjoyed art. Yeah. So for you, it's, it's marrying two of your passions. So it's that, isn't it? And it's now, so the music website's taken a bit of a back seat even though we've got lots of writers and mm-hmm. I'm the bottleneck for the editor editing side, but it is that whole, um, can't do everything. Uh-huh. And I'm enjoying concert photography and going doing barrel and stuff. And that was the second book. And then amongst all that time of learning it all and understanding it and doing tours, we took MTV Europe round when the, v- oh, wow. the VMAs were at the Hydro, but yes. I, I was in the barland with MTV Europe Goodness. doing a tour. Did a couple of private tours right. for people. There was a woman... Actually, she's a lovely woman. There's a woman called Bonnie who lives in San Diego and she messaged the Barland Facebook page and said, do you do tours? And I was like, no, Barland doesn't do tours. Mm. Sorry. And then I messaged her through Facebook and went, why do you ask you live in San Diego? And she's like, I'm coming to Glasgow and I'm a big concert and that sort of stuff. Right. I was like, right. Spoke to the management team and I kind of said, well, I'll take them around. And they went, ah, okay. And why do they not? Because that's not their business. Mm. And also, there's a magic to it. And if you see behind the curtain too many times, you know how the magic works. If, so I feel quite privileged now. If, any, that, if anyone and everyone answer. can go do and see and be in the dressing room and sit in the same seat as Justin Timberlake or whoever backstage. Yeah, you're spot on. 2013 was the last tour. Yeah. The last official tour. And then I remembered as I was going to the venue that my dance troupe had actually performed... And, and the balance but I wasn't there and then you mentioned the stars so it's yeah. in the venue as well and how yeah. people nick them or they go well, missing well, they fall well, from the ceiling yes and I, have you ever caught a fallen star I, I you know, totally, that's, and I was like I can assure you that the Kennedy Cupcakes do not have a Badalyn star so which I'm now a bit about. <laughs> in the dressing room, there are barrel and stars. Yes. And they are on the walls, very high up. Mm-hmm. To get a star, to even be in the proximity of a star, you have to be headlining the barrel land or part of that entourage. And people take them as a memento. Because I'm totally it's, gutted now it's, that they didn't. See, I've got such honest dancers. <laughs> you've seen it, you've done it, that kind of thing. Um, people could start taking them as a memento uh-huh. and it was costing so much to replace them that the bars started making them Yeah, and they've got their own cast and they make them and they paint them and it's one guy's job to replace them <laughs> and that's what they've done forever oh. really you know <laughs> in all your years of going to gigs there and then you know the photography and doing mm-hmm. the tours and being part of the book have you ever had the opportunity to meet bands and speak to them yes and no so no as a general rule mm. 
And it's on band day, as in on a gig day. Yeah. It is a professional running venue, and you just don't interrupt that. No, of course. Why would you interrupt yeah, that? Yeah. It's, it's a working thing, and it's a privilege to go and do what I do. And the staff don't either. Not, nobody interrupts the bands, because they're there to do a job, and the barlands are there to do a job, mm-hmm. and that's what it is. However, I did get a phone call, which was quite amusing, last October time. Swedish 80s rock band Europe yes. were playing... And I got a phone call two days previous saying, what are you doing on Saturday? Um, Europe are playing, aren't they? I was already knowing who was You're playing like, me. I, I know what's happening. I know what's happening. <laughs> what was going to say? Right, they've done a meet and greet, but there's no one to meet them. Could you come and introduce them to Europe, please? Uh, yeah, okay. And so, it was professional and it was... Yeah, yeah, of course. And it's like, this is the band and the band, this is the people and they all did their thing and I stood in the periphery, but I got to meet them and Joey Tempest, the lead's a great name, isn't it? Joey Tempest. Such a cool name. Such, so rock. <laughs> Joey Tempest from Europe's Come Over and is like, hi, pleased to meet you, I'm Joey, thinking I was part of the meet and greet. And I'm like, oh no, I'm part of the Barland, that doesn't matter. Pleased to meet you, you're, I'm Joey. And I was like, yeah, you're actually really nice. Aww. You know, stood, had a couple of beers, watched a gig and that, Amazing. Was, and that was that. But So there's been a couple of them. That's nice. From being a kid at 15, standing in the barlands watching a guy get hit with a pint of iron brew, to suddenly getting a phone call from the venue saying, could you come and meet this band and introduce... It's Mental. lovely. That's great. It's a lovely sort of dichotomy that. of that, you know. Like, you deserve that. Thank you. <laughs> Is there a band or are there a couple of bands that you haven't seen play the barlands? You're like, a dream would be for X bands to play the barlands. I have been very lucky and have seen almost all the bands I've wanted. In terms of bucket lists, mm-hmm. I've seen almost all the bands I've ever wanted to see. Cool. Have I seen them in the barland? No. No, right. But I have seen the Oasis's and the Paul Wellers and the Ozzy Osbournes hmm. and Iron Maiden and I've seen... Um, Everybody in between at Barrowland uh-huh. and that stuff. But there was a gig in 1996 where Metallica played it. And I was a Britpop kid at this point. Loved Metallica yeah. in school. Uh-huh. Britpop kid at this point. Okay. I'm not going to go and see Metallica. I've not listened to them for years. Metallica sell out stadiums in minutes. Yeah. I didn't go. And that, that <laughs> bugs me. And it's it's not the it's not a wish list of oh wouldn't it be great if X Y Z played? Yeah. It's knowing a band played and, you and I didn't even try to, be to fair, get a ticket. There must be few and far between, like you say. There is. I mean, from bands like Radiohead and Muse right through the entire spectrum, I've seen loads, and that's just as a fan. This isn't ah. as favours from no. their being involved. Yeah. This is back in the day. Um, you must do. You listen to music every day. Oh yeah. yeah. You just absorb. Life's not worth living without that, you know. So true. Yeah, it is. And live music, just that live element is, there's nothing like it. 91, 92, Nirvana played the QMU. And I was, what would I have been? Young. Too young for there. Okay. Teen, early teens. Mm. I can't quite do the maths in my head quickly. And it was a QMU, which is an over 18s student union mm-hmm. and my mum was like no way you're not you're not going you'll see them the next time the tour Nirvana come back April 94 playing the SECC had a ticket two weeks before poor guy covers himself never saw them it's what it is right Aye. I'm not going to be selfish about the guy committing suicide right but that was it for me mm-hmm. that was it at that point I'm going uh-huh. a band are coming I'm, I'm going I'm because no tomorrow's ga- no tomorrow's guaranteed right yeah and Pearl Jam played the Cat House in 92 
and it was a tenner for a ticket. There used to be Virgin in Union Street. Goodness, And it was I... a tenner for a ticket, and it was a Sunday night. Their debut album was coming out on the Monday, and they played the gig the night before, or something close to that. And in Virgin, 10, their now eponymous, legendary first album, was a tenner. And the ticket was a tenner. Goodness. And I picked the wrong thing. I picked the CD, which I can still listen to. Yes. But I kind of wanted to have seen them in the cat house, yeah. really. They didn't come back till 2000. Aye, June 2000, aye. they came back. So that was a long way. Yeah. And they've never been back since. So you're, you're like, any gig, I'm there. Well, that's it. I'm that is now. exactly I've it. learned my lesson. Unless there's strong justification and long, you know, and it, obviously life gets in the way, as aye. I've said a few times, and there's excuses not to go to things. But I don't travel. Do you have tickets for any gigs at the moment? Oh, I've got loads. I've always got tickets. But where um, are you going to next? Go down to Manchester to see Alice Cooper because I'm I'm reliving my teenage years. Loving it. A whole pile of stuff. I go to Download Festival every year. Right. Um, And we go as a bunch of mates every year, regardless. Brilliant. Who cares? Who plays? Yeah, I'm going to see Bjork. Are you? Yeah. Going to see Bjork, Slipknot, Alice Cooper, um, a whole mix of things in various different so places cool. you know and just the people you'll meet and the experiences you have as well as seeing mm-hmm. the artist or the band like you must just have a million memories well from- I do I mean it was like last weekend was summer sessions mm-hmm. and so it was The Cure and Foo Fighters was it both of them Lindsay and I got to go and see the Foo Fighters together which doesn't Lovely. go very often cool. with friends for The Cure because she went with me once and said she'd never go and see them again <laughs> um <laughs> She's desperate for someone else to go with me to see Bjork. Uh-huh. You know, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. We don't necessarily share the same taste, but um, she'll never see me stuck. That's but, nice. Um, <laughs> she refuses to go and see Radiohead again. Not her bag. Not her bag. I adore Radiohead. Radiohead right. are just, I mean, a lot of the bands I've mentioned are all kind of rock and metal. Uh-huh. But Radiohead, Churches, anything so electronic, that mm. whole, whole weird mix <laughs> of stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's not been unknown for me to see Oasis, the Royal Scottish National Orchestra, and Metallica in the same week. <laughs> so it can be quite... <laughs> That's the of it can be quite eclectic. Um, but That's great. There's always gigs. There's never a point where I don't have a concert ticket. Love it. Never a point. There hasn't been since I was a mid-teens. Mm. It's always something. The Glasgow music scene is alive and well and yeah. very strong and it's, there's a group there's a troop of people that you see everywhere uh-huh. that you end up chatting to and now with, cool. now with Facebook and Instagram and stuff you're all, you all know each other and are friends and That's stuff nice. and doing the book with Nola mm. got to really meet people and I'm still really good. Yeah, like-minded people that are as passionate as you are. Well, that, that's the thing, right? The people you grow up with and go to school with aren't necessarily the same as you. No. And then you go out and you go to uni or you do what you do in a job and you find things and that's fine but mm. actually something like this it's it's the same people yeah and there's nothing like it if you no. can find something in life that you're passionate about oh I totally keep agree. a hold of that as an adult when life gets real I think it's really important well, I think it's really great that yeah. you make the time for that you've got a family you've got a job but you've continued to carry mm. that passion with mm. you it's funny I had a conversation with one of the guys that we write the website for and he wrote an article about guilty pleasures and it's funny because his guilty pleasures were things I'll listen to freely. And you're like, <laughs> you're like there I, should be no guilt. No. There's just pleasure. Yes. You know, and so it's really funny because people will meet me and think, well, you're not into heavy metal and rock. And I'm like, well, 50% of the time I'm not. But it doesn't mean I don't like it. Yeah, and I think you obviously appreciate musicianship. Yes. 
people putting their sound out there yep. into the world for other people to appreciate like that's mm-hmm. bearing your soul when you write something and you stand up on that stage and you put it out there it's funny because one of my favourite films is The Blues Brothers yes and there's the brilliant line about we they go to um, Bob's Country Cabin and it's like we all like all types of music here we like country and western and <laughs> um, I found myself liking a lot of country right Aye. now. And Country to Country Festival, which is mm. um, London. I think they do Dublin as well, but London and Glasgow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's over a weekend. It's in the Hydro. Wife and I went this year and saw Keith Urban, who was incredible. Was, he was, was absolutely yeah. incredible. One of the best live performances yeah. I've seen in a long, long time. I think time. Um, Lady, um, I like Lady Antebellum. I've yes, seen him a couple a of Sunday times. Yeah. yeah, And I'm not a massive... Mm-hmm. country fan mm-hmm. but yeah I really like their music but it's just music it is it's music forget, music's good music forget the label I mean you've got uh-huh. people like Stormzy headlining Glastonbury and people going why the hell's Stormzy headlining and then you've got people going oh my god I can't believe Stormzy you know it's just go yeah. experience somebody's go. putting themselves out yeah. there and yeah. being, being themselves mm-hmm. artists need people like you going to gigs and mm-hmm. totally being passionate about it and especially nowadays yeah that's where the money yeah. is <laughs> well, uh-huh, totally but that that whole live thing I mean I think there's so much going online now and like we're not doing anything in real time like we're not having face to face conversations it's good but, actually and I think just a live performance seeing somebody with an instrument or using their voice well, is the, important there is that kind of selfie mentality or live feeds on social media and look at me I'm enjoying myself <laughs> no, stop and enjoy yourself uh huh I'd be present. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm guilty of taking photographs. Oh, yeah. Too. I think we'll and I don't mean concert like photography, but I actually get the camera out and the phone out Aye. and take a couple of pictures, but not live stream or. I watching the concert through your phone. Yeah, maybe like a, a snapshot mm-hmm. or, you know, a minute of a song and then I'm like, phone away. Anytime I go to a gig, I'm like, why do I not do this more often? Mm. I always love it. Um, and you've totally inspired me to it, get to see more. Gigs, especially the Badlands. Well, you should you definitely. I mean, if that <laughs> yeah. was the first time you've ever been in it, I know, and I've not seen it, I've not actually seen a gig in it. It is an iconic venue, you know, to a, to a man, if that's the appropriate phrase. Everyone seems to love the venue, and to get to see the other side of it and get to know the people that work and run in it, mm-hmm. and to know that they are just as amazing and welcoming, and that family circle, and once you're sort of trusted in it, in it's an exclusive yeah. thing to be in and to understand. And that must be the hidden magic and why it's been so popular and successful the people that are behind yeah. it you yeah. know and yeah, people yeah. like you that totally support it but the people that work there and have been brought up through the ranks yeah. in it yeah. and that's part of the story that's part of its legacy and how it's success no absolutely you know? so we talked about Maggie McIver we talked about Maggie who started it in 1934 and she used to run the market built the ballroom died in 58 didn't see it burn down her granddaughter still works in the office does she yeah love that yeah. love that you know. Proper family business. Yeah, Aye. absolutely. Thank you so much for this wealth of information. I think people are just going to like all of this. I do have a love for the place and mm. getting to know all the things about it. And there's, if we ever do more tours, I don't want to spoil it for people, but there's such <laughs> little tweaks and funny stories and you build on it. It's every time you do it, something else happens. Aye. But you pick up stories and you pick up experiences. When we did that Open Doors Day thing in 2013, was four and a half thousand people walked through it and we were doing tours of about 10 to 15 at a time goodness so yeah people want to know people want to be part of that yeah it's lovely because you'll do a tour of the venue and people are going oh i saw xyz here and this is amazing and i remember this and i met my wife here and (laughs) this gig was that and that gig and then you'll take another group round and they'll went i remember the ballroom i've never been at a gig lovely 
there was an old deer. I get quite choked up thinking about it actually, but there's the Australian oak pillars all the way around the main room. So there's Canadian maple floor, we talked about that, and then there's the Australian oak pillars that everyone leans against with a pint and watching the band. And this old deer went in, I have no idea what age she was, but she was old. And she had a teenage-ish girl with her. And she walked into the, we did the whole tour, and you start downstairs and you walk around and you sort of go in circles as you work up. Yeah. to the ballroom and went into the ballroom and she started to well up oh goodness and she was being polite and listening to me but I could see there was something and mm-hmm. she walked over to one of the pillars over by the bar side and she patted it and she turned to this little girl a teenage girl and went this is where I met your grandfather oh my I'm actually like yeah. <laughs> and of course the, then the granddaughter was like <laughs> and everyone in the room was like <laughs> oh my you know. gosh so that music love is really for me focused and it's, personified. It's that people make Glasgow. Exactly right. They do, and they obviously have made the Badlands yeah. what it is yeah. today. And it's a living, breathing entity that you know, like you say, the stories are going to continue. There's yeah. still more history to be made. I hope so. I do hope so. I mean, the um, the East End is always under development, and there's been stories of oh, it's going to close down, it's going to get turned into flats, it's going to do that. I, I, I hope not. Be riots, I mean, I'm sure. The Gallagate, the East End, um, quite a lot of the more football-related pubs are starting to close down and getting pushed slightly further up towards Parkhead. There's nice restaurants have opened up nearby. Yeah. There's um, new pubs opening up in the mm. starting this East End quarter. There's Barland Art and Design behind. There's new um, studios opening up yes. for renting and around there. Yeah, I was there literally just the other day there with mm-hmm. the Maris and it was buzzing. I think what's nice is... It used to be at the weekend of the market, uh-huh. and of an evening of a gig, that cathedral thing happens yes. that Shirley Manson talked about. But other than that, it's mm. a bit run down and a bit Gallagher. Yeah, but not now. Not it's now, totally definitely not. Changing. A couple of years ago, first run records are based out there, and um, we went to one of the writers and I went along there to a, a Glasgow showcase and there was a band called United Foot played but then there was also Vukovi who are um, cover stars of Kerrang and all of that kind of stuff ah. they've had a really really well received debut album but right. released a second and then it was Jerry Cinnamon and Lewis Capaldi but Jerry Cinnamon and Lewis Capaldi were first on right you know so it's like that wow. Glasgow music scene's personified just right there and it took 3-4 years but it happens all the time you know, from that or going back to 2000 and seeing Coldplay supporting Muse in the garage. <laughs> no one knew so. who, I mean, very few people knew who Muse were if they were yeah. playing the garage and it's less than a thousand capacity Jeez. to Coldplay and no one knew who they were and no one cared. <laughs> Halfway through, Chris Martin, as I now know him to be called, yes. was starting to strum something and he was like, right, listen, listen, I know you don't care about us. I know you're not here to hear us you only hear from you says but I happen to think we're pretty good and this is going to be our next single and I want you to listen to it slightly arrogant Glasgow crowd arms folded pint in hand Mm. ready oh really show us then Mm. he then plays yellow which is going to be his next single and you think ah yeah you may have something there fair (laughs) Fair Fair dues and there's loads there's loads of stories like that over the years of just going to gigs but support the support acts because you just never know well that's the important <laughs> everybody's got to have yeah. a leg up do you know what I mean like everybody started somewhere that's the important Run thing that's the important thing isn't it it's mm. 
a lot and when I do the Facebook page for the Barland stuff one of the conversations and I'm guilty of it too when you're trying to run a family and finish a job and you're trying to work out what time I need to be Aye. there at because I don't want to miss the band I'm there to see of course but we quite often answer questions like and publish stage times which includes support bands and that's bittersweet because you kind of want people to go early and catch the support bands and if you know insert headliner you're desperate to see here and on to nine o'clock you're going to turn up at half eight quarter to nine or you're going to turn up at seven and see the support mm. band it introduces you to new music mm. you know we went to see jason isbell and mm-hmm. edmund a couple of years ago the support act was a guy billy jeffries who's now coming on the podcast yep. and he was absolutely brilliant and you just never know but that's it isn't it it's all about the people and yeah you relate and correlate on whatever it is yeah that you and you on. are very much part of oh, that thank story you. Thank you. we're moving on to the thing of Bob, so i can let you go home all right okay <laughs> i haven't finished my yeah, coffee yet too, much, too much i know totally i'll be freezing by now they are quite music related all right only because it's you okay so what is your current obsession my current obsession is <laughs> trying to teach my five-year-old boy to throw frisbees Yes, um, we do that in the park. Not every, but most evenings. Love it, and um, it's great because he's got, starting to get it through it really, really far. Mm. But he's absolutely paranoid of catching it. Which of, I'll give him that when as you're this, wee, that's as this massive, massive frisbee hurtling towards you. But he's great at it. It's just so absolutely cool. great fun, and, <laughs> and it's good of an evening to get out and just yeah, catch be active, before be bed, before baths and bedtime, Aye. and all that kind of stuff. Be out in the, the so, fresh air. Current obsession is is that. That is spot on. Love it. Uh, what hidden talent do you possess? <laughs> it kind of has to be the filing cabinet y brainy thing. It does, didn't it? But well, you that, call well, as well, like that. Well, that's funny. the thing. That's the thing my wife picked You're up on. You're an excellent historian. Well, I mean, you, you are, essentially. Well, it's funny you should say that. When Nula published her book, mm-hmm. um, and I did the last couple of chapters, so I even did geeky stuff like the band with the shortest name to headline and the band with the longest name to headline and the band that played most times Saw Doctors and um, Zodiac Mind Warp and The Love Machine and A are the shortest and longest named bands say that again there was a band called A was there yeah so they've got the shortest name and they, they headlined do. and Zodiac Mind Warp and The Love Machine uh, <laughs> they headlined the longest name cool uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway to be fair these are the kind of facts you would remember because it's quite unique <laughs> yeah and it's things like the letter of the alphabet if uh-huh. you look at all the bands that have headlined the letter S if your name starts with an S uh-huh. you're more likely to headline because that's the bands that have headlined the most ah you know that's I'll note that if you ever want to make a band you ever want to headline then statistically start <laughs> with an S you've got a better chance right, cool. and things you know and things like um, Simple Minds are the only band to have ever played on the 29th of February you know, wow, um, and a Thursday is the most popular night for a gig. So it's all it's all that kind of stuff. Aye. But any, anyway, I, I digress. We um, <laughs> she went to the I Write Festival, but she, I like to talk for Scotland, and she got me to come along and talk yes. about my bit. And I talked about the curating it all and getting all the dates and confirming it and knowing mm. it to be right. And we got fifty percent of the support bands. Nola wanted them all, impossible to ask. Uh-huh. But we got fifty percent of them and I'm still 
adding or to it. Still back, working away in the back background. In the background. <laughs> and if there's a paperback we publish, then it'll be updated. But um, at the end of it, we're just my wife and stuff were there, and we we're just kind of chewing the fat with people. And these two women came up, and she went, "What do you do for a living?" <laughs> and I'm like, um, "I'm an architect. I develop computer systems. Why?" And she went. You ever considered being a librarian? Because <laughs> this was librarians from the Metro Library that were standing there. <laughs> this is your job. Jesus. You should be doing this. Do you not do any of that? So, and I was like, no, I just did it for the book. Like, mm. Mm. Don't believe you. <laughs> but that was to go full circle. That was how I got involved because I knew the dates to be wrong. When I was yeah. looking at this, like, they didn't play in that date, they played in this date. Let me look at it. You're the epitome of a fan. Hey, um, <laughs> that's a polite way of putting it. It's, yeah, it's that. Dates and it's funny because Lindsay always says to me, "No, not everyone's like that," and I don't understand that because yeah, that's that's like I'm, normal. I'm the opposite. <laughs> As I said, I can't remember what I had for my tea, but I do know. I think the stuff you do remember is pretty decent, pretty important. <laughs> um, best thing about Scotland: music scene. Yes, definitely the music scene. 100%. Now. People in Manchester will tell you that, and people in London <laughs> will tell you that, and people in Liverpool have good claim to that. But the classical music scene is awesome, and you can go right back, right back to the 70s, and right mm. through all of the bands, you know, and just picking any out of, out of that scene. You've got the Simple Minds Big Country era, you've got the Deacon Blue in Texas era, you've got Travis and Franz Ferdinand, and you've got all of the fantastic yeah. bands that are kicking around now that we have on our website, and it never changes. No. You know, in, no, it's just thriving. And I'm sure it's the same in most big cities. Mm. And there's the constant fight with councils and noise abatement and performing arts rights and mm. this, that, and the next thing. And but the music scene's still there. Still, kicking. still there, and alive the, and kicking. The bands are are awesome. A ninety-nine on a nugget wafer. Ninety-nine, because a nugget wafer would make a mess build the greatest band of all time so singer guitarist drummer bassist haha <laughs> singer Steven Tyler from Aerosmith cool the guy's got a phenomenal voice a great stage presence and he's still around yeah she maybe should have said you can you can okay. go with people that are no longer here if you like <laughs> if I could do both then people who was no longer here has to be Michael Hutchins from Inexcess the stage presence that man had I only ever was lucky enough to see them once right. blew me away couldn't take my eyes off him just Goodness. enigmatic magnetic phenomenal mm. you know um, but Stephen Tyler from Aerosmith is cool guitarist Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine there's phenomenal guitarists all over the place and you talk about the guitar greats like the Jimi Hendrix of the mm. world and so on and you've got 12 year old kids that can play Jimi Hendrix inside out now <laughs> and they're practicing in their bedrooms but what made Hendrix special was that he took guitar and played it differently to how mm-hmm. it had been played before. For our generation, Tom Morello has done the same. You hear him and you go, that's Tom Morello. Mm. He sounds different. It's a very unique sound. Matt Bellamy from Muse is another one that will do things like that. But again, Morello for me, just that little bit older, it. hits my age group for when I get into them. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy tours with them, um, Bruce Springsteen now, and makes Springsteen sound like Rage Against the Machine on occasion. <laughs> and it, it's just so random. Mm. Um, drummers would be John Bonham from Led Zeppelin. Yes. Because it's John Bonham from Led Zeppelin. Bassist, and God, this band's going to sound awful. <laughs> Bassist would be someone like Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, aye. Or Rob. Trujillo from Metallica and 
Ozzy Osbourne and Suicidal Tendencies and all the other bands. They might need to have it. a wee rehearsal before they go. Yeah, they're going to send off. <laughs> they're going to send off. I mean, maybe creative differences. Yeah, but it's it's funny, isn't it? Because you look at these so-called super bands where you get all these great musicians who have all been out on tour and sat backstage at a festival and they're they've gone past the years of just getting really drunk mm. and on paper they should be amazing and then they'll release something and everyone's like mm. I kind of preferred what you did with your <laughs> other bands uh-huh. but yeah I think something down that route I mean there's lots of great musicians in all sorts of different genres perfect answer perfect answer best ever song lyric ho 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 make work you are because I'm crap at lyrics I will sing along but don't ask me what I sung and for me it's the music and the sound and I don't really know lyrics and that's not a copy answer that's, no, that's, that's, that's a genuine uh-huh. yeah, I don't know the words this and I probably never know the words and if it's something I've known since I was a teenager then I will sing along but don't ask me to recall them but do you have a favourite song though? today <laughs> Today, today, I, I have, diff- I have, today. Fav- I have a favourite song today, Glasgow band Travis. Yes. Who I know quite a lot of people put in the sort of yeah whatever. I love Travis. Well, they're still around, right? Yeah, I know that's it's, true. But I that's my point. Loved it. But that's my point. It's like people hate Coldplay and stuff like that. They're, they're very marmite band, yeah. and they're all kind of radio friendly, unit shiftery, sort of strummy, strummy, strum type thing. Yeah, so do I. When Travis started out, I mean, they were they used to be called Glass Onion after the Beatles song, and they used to play King Tut's quite a lot, and mm-hmm. they became Travis, and then they became famous, and then they became less famous, and they had families and do what they do, but they're kind of my age, and they were releasing albums and writing stuff about things that I was experiencing in life, mm-hmm. and that... You could relate. Yeah, very much so, yeah. from Flowers in the Window and having families right through to the loss of grandparents and everything else, you know, uh-huh. I mean, it's just... There's a lot of lyrics in that space, you know, like, why is it all means the most cliche, most obvious one, but some of those lyrics are, are absolutely brilliant, yeah. you know. And sometimes the most simply put things are the most poignant. Yeah. Travis are the band I've seen most, I've seen uh-huh. them 40 plus times. What? They were also my thousandth gig. That is mental. I know them to be my thousandth gig and Lindsay was pregnant with I think I know anybody that's been in as much as you have been. Probably people that work in the music business <laughs> as opposed to nutters that just buy tickets, but... Um, <laughs> Lindsay was pregnant with uh, what is now her um, son and mm-hmm. um, she came along and we turned up at the venue and the venue freaked out because she had this massive baby bump yeah. and it was an all-standing venue in Edinburgh and they were like, what are you doing? And they kind of built a cage out of fences round her <laughs> and we were stood there. So, yeah, But there's a line and I think it's right to reach you and I'll probably be proven wrong here but there's a line that talks about pillars turned to butter and that's just the most stupid nonsense sentence but to get it to rhyme in the lyrics it's actually caterpillars turned to butterflies but he didn't say cater or flies because it was too long <laughs> so it's pillars turned to butter <laughs> and I think that's yeah <laughs> that's kind of stupidly brilliant love it and my last question that I ask everyone is what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? I was on the phone to a call centre and I was trying to spell my name mm-hmm. and it was a bad line and I'm trying to spell, spell Fraser. With an S. But it wasn't the S that was causing the problem. And this guy's on the other end of the phone and he's like, Freezer, Fraser, you just couldn't get it. Couldn't, couldn't get really it. hear me. And I'm like, F, you know, and I should know like, Foxtrot, Romeo, Alpha, you know, and so on. And I got to E and I was like, Eat it! 
That's my. That's just, a good one. Yeah. <laughs> he must have been like, oh, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> E for Egypt. Well, to be fair, Gareth, you're no Egypt. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. You're very it's welcome. Been an absolute. I just get to learn loads of stuff. This is like going back to school, but way more like exciting. Random, <laughs> Random and all over Random the place. Scattered. And good fun. Yeah. And um, I wish you all the fun thank you and the many more gigs that you're going to go to mm, and they're just you. going to be stopping you and like Instagram to see me again next mm, mm. <laughs> and um, I think people will just totally love your passion for thank you. music I think a lot of people will be listening to a lot of music after listening to this they should music's <laughs> not because of me but because of music yeah. yeah for sure love it thank you so much no you're very welcome thank you Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Braun the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.